balancing life and work under one roof? Yeah, you're not the only one. What the research shows us, next on Remote Space. Hello? Uh, yeah, right. I'm sending that over in an hour. The meeting today? Another one? Hold on one sec. Enough! Working from home not as much fun as you imagined? Remote Space explores the tools and philosophies we use as we work more remotely. We'll talk to experts who have mastered remote work, those studying the shift in how we work, and those learning on the run. Here's your host, Doug Thomas. Microsoft's workplace intelligence has been researching the habits of a large workforce that is suddenly forced into remote work. Our guest today, Avanaf Singh, looks at what happens when home life and work life are combined under one roof. Abhinav, welcome. The blog post you co-wrote, Balancing Work and Life Under One Roof, is anchored by several quotes made by the recipients. Was there one that really spoke to you about this research and what we're all going through? There were a lot of quotes around having a schedule where you can find time for yourself during the day, which was a little difficult while you were working in office on site. I think that really applies to me. I start my work pretty early, but then I take a little bit break in the middle and then usually tend to continue pretty late in the evening as well, just from my work-life perspective. Um, and that that really, really is resonating, personally for me at least. One of the quotes is, I have split my work day into two parts, 9.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., and then 3.30 to 7.30. This gives me my time during the sunny hours. They can do exercise, household chores, and fuel up. So this is interesting because this is how a lot of people do You were doing this before we were all working from home. And I think it's going to really come against what a lot of groups have, which is core hours. Like everyone needs to be online between nine and two or something like that. Do you think as we, when we come back in the office, that this will be the model for more groups? Right. So this is good. I mean, the overall aspect of splitting your schedule and while there are a lot of positives in this schedule, but while there are other quotes and other anecdotes is that flexibility to one may become a little difficult for the other because if there aren't the overlapping hours, then how does it happen? So I think that's where key role needs to be played by a team together. And it's not just an individual job in defining what are the common hours where collaboration should happen most, whether it's in office, outside office, because even when people are now returning to office, it's a pretty flexible work schedule. Some people are still working from home. Some are working from office in various parts of the world. So you're right on that part that those core hours need to be defined. Not only Microsoft, but there are several other companies who have taken that initiative in defining those core hours where people are expected to be on. And again, taking people's consideration, taking this data to define what's the best that people can still work without having a lot of changes. So it's still new. It's still fresh for a lot of companies and a lot of people. Only time will tell how how this will unfold. And let's go into some of the research that was made. One of the quotes was someone talking about how they were surprised. It was positive. They were able to move from home to work and able to shift quickly. However, they also found out that their workday is much longer too. It's this puzzle that you guys talk about in the article. Talk about that. So that was the core question that we were facing. Now that people are suddenly shifting to remote, what's going to be the work-life balance? Or more, like we talked about 
it's less of work-life balance now, but more work-life integrations since both of them are happening from the same place now. So while we were looking at the data, we definitely found that work days were getting longer and nearly seven out of 10 people experienced like work weeks that expanded by at least three hours or 30 to 40 minutes per day. And not only just work days in terms of getting longer in terms of just doing work, but even after hours collaboration, we were seeing there was an uptick and it increased by 30%. Now, this is not something to be immediately worried about because as the anecdote said about it, it's a lot of flexible schedule because people are now embracing taking care of the children, their household chores during the day and then coming back to work. But it's something to be aware of. It's something to keep a tab on that, that this doesn't become the new norm and how everyone is getting impacted by it. So some people find it really encouraging and empowering to work anytime. But for other people, since they, who they collaborate with, it may become a little bit of a problem. So that, that's something that we really found pretty interesting and a puzzle to solve. Right. And it's just not late at night. The research shows that we have this creep, this uh, flex hours that go into the weekends, correct? Exactly. Exactly. So while late evenings were becoming a new norm, I would say we were quite interested to see what's happening to the weekend collaboration because as an unsaid norm also weekend work is not appreciated in the team like you just you should weekends should be for yourself so we looked at people specifically who were not involved in pretty much any kind of weekend work before or weekend collaboration before and we found that even those people their weekend collaboration time started to triple that was an alarming situation because um What's stuck about these trends is that both in evening collaboration and weekend work, all these organizational norms are now quickly shifting. And as I said, these were unwritten rules around no late evening collaboration or weekend collaboration, but these norms are shifting very fast. And one harmless message that you may send to a person on a weekend, and you would see that there is a lot of trickle down effects and people start to adapt to those new norms. So that's that's a puzzle that not only for Microsoft, but for a lot of our other customers also, we are seeing an uptick in the collaboration during the hours that they weren't before. Right. The quote that you pulled out, someone said, even if I started my day at 9 a.m., if a colleague working flex hours sends a message at 9 p.m., I feel like I need to respond. It's It's that conundrum that we all have of you don't have to log on to a computer to message. It's a quick glance at your phone and you think, oh, this is something I could click on. And then uh, you might be caught in, oh, I can just respond to it. But again, having a global company, you are dealing with people that, that already have that global time zone pretty much. This is something that everybody is talking about. This whole concept of instant messages. Now it has gone up a lot. Like there's a huge uptake in the instant messages collaboration. We call it synchronous collaboration compared to emails where that's more asynchronous. And the whole idea of notifications on your phone at any point of time, it's kind of impulsive behavior that people show to respond back. I personally do that. Like, And we have products that show you insights on how quickly do you respond to emails or instant messages, which is alarming for me because it says for me particularly that I respond to most of my emails within 30 minutes of getting them. And I get a lot of emails. So basically, I'm always on the lookout for my next email. And so is the case with other people. So... That's what I was talking about at the beginning, that flexibility for one person who might have taken off during the day and is back again at 9 p.m. may become like not the best thing for the other person who would have to respond just because of the impulsive behavior. 
People that know me uh, in the office know that I will constantly say if we're talking and something pops up on their computer, like a notification, I'll say, I can show you how to turn that off because I'm a firm, firm believer in we were notified too much. In fact, uh, we'll put some uh, resources in the show notes that we have on this for people who just realize that maybe I do want to control some of these notifications if they haven't done already. Let's see. Let's talk a little bit about how this data was gathered. What, What tools are you using? Apart from the surveys, which is people's anecdotes, we don't have to do a lot of data collection because everybody in Microsoft, they have this tool called Workplace Analytics, which gathers the metadata or base. When I say metadata, it's basically the properties of your, of your emails, your meetings, your chats, not the content at all, but we capture it. We process it on a weekly basis for the employees who have opted in, in this process. And that's how we get aggregated insights out of it, de-identified insights out of it. And then based on that collective aggregated insights and then what people have been talking about, we try to draw correlations and causations on what could be potential causes of what we are seeing in the data. Yeah, so it's pretty much straightforward from the workplace analytics tool that we have. And that tool is not just something that Microsoft has. It's part of the Microsoft 365 offerings that, that any companies could use, correct? Exactly. And a lot of companies are right now using that and a lot of Fortune 500 companies and specifically around this whole concept of navigating the shift. And since most of your collaboration have now turned digital, the data became even more richer than it was before because now a majority of your collaboration is happening on those digital tools. So they're getting actually good insights on how people are embracing this, becoming more resilient, and what should they do more to help their people navigate the shift better, or at least make their return to work as smooth as possible. I almost want to jokingly ask, so did you track when people were actually doing their surveys? Was it late at night and on the weekends? (laughs) But that's probably a little too minute. No, yeah. (laughs) Although that could be aggregated as well from the survey technology. So we don't get survey data for this, but I mean, it's a good point. Surveys were sent during the day, during the work hours, and that was a conscious effort from the team not to create any after-hour impact. And in fact, lately, when we are sending surveys, we also start sending like a 10-minute meeting block for the entire survey population during the day. So they get a meeting pop-up, says you have a survey due in 10 minutes. So those they get those 10 minutes to answer those five to six quick questions. So I think that that turned out really well. So you don't forget and then you don't remember at the middle of the night that you have to complete a survey because there was always a notification for you during the day. And one of the things that I read was dealing with, besides the time shift and days expanding and different times with meetings moving, it's also that this new work from home for a lot of people, it's not set. It changes dynamically day to day, week to week for folks of trying to figure out what their day is going to be like, correct? Yes. It's a new situation for everyone. It's like any company hasn't observed this mass remote shift in their lifetime. Like most of the companies haven't. So they're still figuring out what the new normal is going to be. And that's that's a question that every C-suite person or every leader is asking. What's going to be the future of work? What's going to be the new normal for my people? And we're still in early days. Although it's been it's been like three to four months for most of the remote shift that has already happened. But we are reaching towards a stage where we can confidently say how people are reacting to a particular situation, what's the new normal for most of the people, but it's still changing. I mean, business priorities have been changing, businesses have changed, 
and that leads to new work, lesser work. And that change is interesting. And now most of us can't control that change particularly because it's total business dependent. But what we can is empower people with this data around that while the change is being created, make sure that you monitor the impact of behavioral changes on your people because people are your magic sauce, as I believe and as Microsoft believe. Like, and they need to be, they need to be fit and empowered and happy to embrace any change. So it's changing daily, but use the data to observe it and maintain it. Right. And we've talked to some of your coworkers about dealing with the managers, the one-on-one, and really how those health checks can be, uh, as you said, the secret sauce to really make sure companies can really work better. Probably, again, I think it's one of those things that that will come out in this work from home environment that hopefully will blend back into the work environment that people are thinking more about the holistic person, not just the worker that they have in front of them at that time. Absolutely true. And in fact, one of our preliminary findings from the ongoing research is around what's happening now when people are returning to office, because some parts of the world have started in Microsoft have started called soft openings, which is people are coming back to offices with probably social distancing. And we are now starting to observe the differences between people who are working from home or when they were working from home and now when they're working from office. And all these conversations about more manager one-on-one, empathy from managers toward the people is being observed because that hasn't shifted. And it's in fact growing up. Managers are embracing their relationship with their employees even more than what was before the shift during and also during the shift. So that's those, those are some really positive learnings that we're finding from when people are coming back. Yes, yeah. So one of the things that when this whole started, I was involved in a couple of these groups. I talked to several folks who were champions, who were you know, had been working from home in a corporation for years. And we kind of listened to them with kind of odd faces, like, how am I going to get through this? Or what's some secrets that you have? And especially uh, us extroverts who were like, what do you do when you can't meet people? And we really listened to them. And one of the things that I always heard from them is set a schedule. You know, I make sure this and this happens so I'm not creeping into work. And I'm curious because this data shows that's the exact opposite that's happening. So I I just want to try to explore where that point might be able to shift somehow. Does the worker have to come up with that? Does the company need to? Does your research show anything about that? That's a really good point. And and I'm I'm just going to talk about a couple of points that we earlier talked about around the weekend collaboration and the late evening instant messages. Of course, you can set your schedule. Like as an individual, you should be empowered enough to set your schedule of start times, end times, or break times. But while you're working in a team or in an organization, a lot of your schedule, your meetings are dependent on other people. And we measure that as well. Like how much of your schedule is dependent by you on you versus how many of your meetings are generated by others. So that's a piece of information that a lot of leaders get. And while individuals make their schedules, it becomes an imperative for leaders on defining the culture for their organization and defining what they need to do to make sure that the work from home norms or the good work from home practices are maintained. And as an example, In our team itself, we have started something called Super Recharge Fridays, uh, where every alternative Friday, we call it no meeting and no instant messages day until and unless it's like super, super urgent. 
And that's working pretty well. It's been a month or so now that we are doing that. And it's working well. People have given positive reviews that they get that day to rejuvenate their energy. It's it's a good start to the long weekend that they don't have to scramble till the end of the day and they can plan their weekend. They can plan their next week even really well. Again, but this was not an individual decision. I mean, as an individual, I can do that, but I work in the team. So it was take a decision collectively taken by the leadership of our team and the teams that we usually interact with. And that's working really well. Okay. But did you start typing an instant message at some point and then stop yourself at some point? Was it, was it hard to train yourself? It's definitely hard. <laughs> I mean, it's super hard. I, if I see, I mean, a lot of people have shown this tendency. If they see their inbox with unread emails and specifically asks, they become a little uneasy. Uh, and we talked about it. Instant messages, even before our call, I was scrambling with all my instant messages because I wanted to just get them finished. And so that I don't keep on thinking about it while we are on this <laughs> on this call and podcast right now. So it is something to train. It is. And again, we have the tools like Microsoft Teams that we use. It gives you that focus hours specifically where you get a do not disturb message. You can also set your st- status. Like I now started setting up my status message as focusing on work message only if it's super urgent. And I put a time period for it, like from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. because I got to focus on work. And when people start to type the message, they see that status pop up in front of them, which is a good reminder. So it's like in-time nudges that people get to not message or message and not just based on their convenience, but from the person that they are getting talking to. And then you can also turn off notifications. Doug, as you talked about, it's easy. You can put your phone on airplane mode or turn off the notification in Teams. You give an option. Windows give you quiet hours. So a lot of different technology is available, but Again, it's not just the availability of technology, but the right nudges and the right leadership encouragement that's also needed. That's great. And I love that word nudge. I think it's something that hopefully that employees can find empowering that they're not telling staff or they're not telling their coworkers or their boss, hey, I need, but it's just kind of a suggestion that, yeah, I mean, because we do read those messages if, you know, someone I haven't talked to in a while, I'll bring up their message and, and we're trained to kind of look at that status message because if they're on vacation it says hey i'm out of the office so you know okay i won't do that so the advice is there in most software to to have that message in front of you so you know if this person's not there and that way you know that you won't get a response if you send an instant message you're not going to get an instant response because they have those hours i love that i think that's uh we'll we'll try to make sure everyone just picks that up and then we'll get the royalties for that and and retire Abhinav Singh is an associate on Microsoft's Workplace Intelligence team. Abhinav, thank you for your time. Be well, and uh, someday soon we'll see you back in the office. Thank you, Doug. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear more stories and lessons learned from those working in the remote space.